welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me this time, we have Paul P.K. Kingston. How's it going? And we're doing one of our Halloween full monkey paw episodes, which means we're going to be going through some of our past wishes and making them oh so much more horrible. Uh, Normally, we try to balance them out. Some good, some bad. Throwing that out the window. Full monkey paw, as evil as we can get. And I think, PK, you're probably the right person for this to come oh, up I with truly so. horrific costs. Yeah, I, my brain goes to dark places. <laughs> yeah. And you've been specifically writing horror recently, right? I have, yes. Yeah, I just uh, published my first horror novel back in June. It's entitled uh, Butterflies in Glass Cases, and it's available where most books are sold. <laughs> and that sounds perfectly creepy right there, even by the Absolutely. title. Absolutely. <laughs> so i've given you not a whole lot of time but a little time to look over some of the past wishes are there any that stand out to you as something that you really think you could twist harder well yeah i mean i'm just reading through the first page of these uh here and the first one that jumps up to me uh right away is uh episode poll number 60 uh you can teleport instantly anywhere within the city limits but sometimes you instead have to wake up uh, make up the time saved in a limbo waiting room Sure. Yeah. I remember teleporting. People liked teleporting. They like to get places faster. I mean, don't get me wrong. Teleporting is one of the greatest comedic devices. And I wish I had the ability to do so because anytime you bomb a joke, you're gone. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but yeah, this whole idea of being stuck in a waiting room to make up for the time lost almost feels worse than the commute itself, especially because there is no semblance of bathroom or facilities listed. (laughs) I'm just going to say that as somebody who lives in LA and it on average takes two to three hours to travel anywhere in this city, that is a long time to be sitting in a room with no options. So, so your, your, your change is basically making the waiting room as uncomfortable as possible. Just no bathroom. Oh, and I'm talking like have like one of those like little sort of like scenic waterfalls in the corner, you know, like, (laughs) and you know, the one that like you plug into the wall and it just gives that little trickle of water that's enough of a suggestion that, you know, you get the subconscious sort of insinuation that you need to be. Yeah. Maybe the seats are been made in that way that it sort of like makes you crouch and makes you like press against your bladder. Oh, and, Just... <laughs> and not only that, but everybody's got squatty potties for the chairs they're in too. So it's like your feet are raised. You're in the optimal bowel movement position. The only snacks available, bran muffins. Uh, yeah. Right. It, with lots of raisins in there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah easy easy way to destroy that yeah i like that yeah it's it's not too horrible but it definitely makes it so much worse that no one would take it because it definitely means you're going to arrive every time you get dropped into this little limbo you're arriving with a mess of pants 100 percent. yeah and even if you're able to hold it in it's like nobody's in a good mood by that point right so it's yeah. like you're already tainting your early arrival but yeah oh, i think that's great yeah all right, let me see if I can find one that I really want to twist right here. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like, so the one that you can run as fast as Usain Bolt, that's episode number 69. Mm-hmm. We went a very silly way with it originally. We went with, you have to make car sounds with your mouth when you walk or run at any speed. Yeah. Um, very silly. Of course, uh, yeah. I feel like the way I would want to twist this if I was going full monkey paw, going ironic, is that you can only run at a full Usain Bolt speed. So it's stopped or full speed and not necessarily the control in between. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a complete disaster. Um, I also think, too, if you're moving at that speed, your metabolism's going up real fast, right? Right, so, getting hungry everywhere you go. 
hungry everywhere you go, constantly exhausted. Uh, and then of course, you know, just making car noises for that extended <laughs> period of time. It's like, you're either completely still and silent or you are making these car noises and, and it's like, imagine the weird shape of facial muscles you'll get as a result of that. Like even just doing that for a few seconds going like that, right. It's like you're loosening your lips. You're causing a weird muscular shape around your mouth. Who knows what you'll look by the end of it, right? Like your lips may be sagging down to your chin by yeah. the end of three years of doing this. I mean, and yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking this as instead of, but why not put them both together? Let's take the original mouth sounds and the full speed. So now you only have to make the full motor sound. Absolutely. Not to mention you lose all social credibility. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. I mean, that's, that's a nightmare and undo itself, right? Yeah. Cause it's like almost the flash style superpower, but if you're that silly, no one respects you. So you can't actually fight crime <laughs> because no one, no one's scared and no one's going to stop you. You showed up going. Yeah. Not so. to mention too. I mean, it's like, you're going to be covered in your own spittle going at that speed <laughs> while making that noise. It's like, you will be in a constant glaze. So it's, just, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. So dehydrated when you show up anywhere. Cause you've been making the sounds in your mouth. Plus you're running fast and sweaty. That's just, yeah. that's too much, too much. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'd kind of love to try to turn. Uh, yeah. episode 63 here okay you eliminate all current plastic waste from the world Ooh. but you can never use plastic again without uh it's suddenly disappearing how suddenly are we talking like the moment you touch it it falls out of your hands or yeah so that was the original idea was like you get rid yeah. of all the plastic waste but this like all stuff that's already been thrown out is just gone so you've you've saved that waste from the world but now well, you try to use anything that's plastic it'll evaporate in your hand well, even just off the top of my head, I mean, at that point, you're at the mercy of the packaging gods, right? So it's yeah. like, but but the flip side of this is, is that, I mean, there could be a huge blessing in there by the fact that you no longer have to deal with UPC labels or anything <laughs> like that, because all packaging and plastic would disappear and you just walk out with a bot good, right. quote unquote. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, sorry, that, that of course I went to, you went to first. You went to crime. No, yeah, you went of course. to crime. That's Why fine. not, right? I also read crime. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, it's as far as this goes, I mean, like, like there are so many, uh, essential things that, you, that unfortunately come in plastic packaging. So it's like, we're talking like you try to feed yourself even at some place like a whole foods and your entire meal is on the floor immediately. The moment you mm-hmm. touch it, uh, not to mention too, I mean, like we have not met, we haven't discussed anything to do with microplastics, right? Well, so that would be cleaning them up, right? Like that's the first part of it. The wish is cleaning it up, but like, how do we turn this here? Okay. I, d- I think I did just have an idea. Yeah. So rather than just having any plastic you touch disappear and go mm-hmm. away and not be a problem anymore. So that's annoying. Like if you were trying to use a plastic spoon, plan to use yeah. a plastic knife. What if whenever you touch plastic, it turns back into oil immediately? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so if you're trying to like, I don't know, get at your salad at, at Whole Foods or whatever. Yeah. And suddenly it's just covered in crude oil. Oh, for uh-huh. sure. You take you take a bite of tuna, and all of a sudden, it just turns into oil in your mouth, right? Yeah. Uh, I and mean, all those microplastics are just suddenly filling your mouth whenever you don't know it, or absolutely up your yeah. skin. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's that's terrifying. That's kind of like the reverse venom, where you're just constantly <laughs> leaking black fluid as opposed to it protecting you. Yeah, protect, yeah. No, it doesn't protect yeah. you. Not at all. Not. It's got that sheen. Ooh, yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's, maybe you can grab a turn. Find find one you like. I mean, number 74, you get to choose how much taller you want to be, but everyone's shorter than you with with open <laughs> every conversation with, how's the weather up there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that just feels like going to a family reunion. 
That's where we're at right now. So yeah, right now we went with it again, another just social awkwardness of getting the how's the weather up there all the time. Yeah. I feel like we can definitely go darker with making people taller. (laughs) Well, and and here's the other thing too, is that it's like any, anyone, first off, nobody is going to wish to be average height, right? They're always going to wish to be a little bit taller. So you're already upping the number of people who are asking you this question. But I'm going to say this right now, the, the repetition of people using any kind of line like that, like the sort of dad joke factor or whatever, don't get me wrong. I love puns, but when, but when you hear the same pun over and over and over and over again, all like it, it's enough to drive you absolutely insane. I mean, uh, not to mention too, it's like the, like you could wish yourself arguably taller so that you don't like so tall that you don't even hear it anymore from them. But then what's your life like really? Oh, I think I got a way to darken it then. So, okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, You get to decide how much taller you want to be. But every and everyone has still has to say, how's the weather up there? Mm -hmm. But every time you hear that, you get a little shorter (laughs) or a little taller. Which way is worse? I actually don't know. So we can either get every time you hear it afterwards, you pick your initial height. And then every time you hear it, you get shorter until you shrink away. No, or you keep getting taller until you get unwieldy tall. I think the I think the wish I, I think the the curse of getting taller every time somebody says it first off because it's an obligation but second off because it's rubbing your face in what you wished for right, right. yeah so you so you wish to be seven two and then every time somebody says this to you you're growing like quarter inch half an inch doesn't matter yeah sooner or later you're gonna get to that height where everything becomes in like uh, infinitely more difficult for you. And so as a result, you're literally cursing yourself with this yeah. wish. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it caps out at whatever the distance that sound can travel vertically when you can no longer hear someone saying, how's the weather up there? Yeah. But then some asshole gets a bullhorn and. Oh, of course. Are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what modern sound systems are for. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going through all the trouble to get out speakers, get, <laughs> get a microphone set up just to make you a little taller. <laughs> Oh, the commitment some people will take to torture. Yeah. Oh, okay. This one hits a bit closer to home. Okay. So, uh, 79, uh, you can go to the cottage anytime. It's just magic five minute travel away, but you can't take anyone with you and you must spend at least one day a week there. Okay. Now to most people, that sounds like a dream, right? Like get out of the city, stay up there for a week. As somebody who grew up with a cottage, I, I can tell you this. Cottages come in multiple shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's you could very easily offer this at sounding like such a beautiful promise of escape and immediately discover you're staying in the equivalent of a garden shack. Right. Second off, uh, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm going back to the potty humor, but ultimately not every cottage has running, uh, running plumbing. <laughs> Third off, depending on where you are, uh, I feel like the reference to a cottage is sort of a very specific Canadian reference. But nonetheless, the further north you go in Canada, the more the wildlife owns that land. So it's right. like, you know, uh, and and as somebody who's been on canoe trips where, you know, it's like you are encountering bears and such. It's like it, it's, you know, you could really put yourself into a horrible situation simply by accepting what feels like a vacation. I, I guess uh, an igloo currently occupied by a family of bears mm. could be an evil genie's interpretation of a cottage. Or if you're not even <laughs> if you're not even going far enough north for an igloo, uh, you could still face the issue of Zika. Let's face it, yep. right? 
Mosquitoes, mosquitoes are in the north. Mosquitoes are everywhere. Mosquitoes have mosquitoes are carrying the Zika. (laughs) I guess they can get you. Watch out for the Zika. I guess also like in the classic horror film, Evil Dead, that was just a trip to the cottage. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, it was a cabin in the woods, right? Didn't didn't go well for them. No, Uh, same with cabin fever. Same with (laughs) I mean, there's countless examples, you know, that's my favorite one. Or actually cabin in the woods is probably my favorite of them because it's yeah and and i mean here's the funny part is that i am shocked i didn't go for the monster in the woods uh maybe i was because, shocked too yeah i think maybe because it's a you know you went with high, viruses i guess they're on your mind for some reason i, I don't know why viruses are at the forefront of my mind right yeah, now kind of after forget. two years of living in a one-bedroom apartment in los angeles where nobody believes in vaccines anyway oh, uh, boy. <laughs> oh boy i'm kidding 70 percent of the people <laughs> don't believe in vaccines too many people don't believe yeah. in vaccines that's yeah that's enough of an issue. Yeah. This episode of Spooked is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Spooked, S-P-O-O-K-E-D, to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Spooked. Yes. Love is in the air. That's Valentine's right. Day is Va- coming up. Valentine's Day coming up, and it's okay if you don't have a sweetheart this year. Mm-hmm. Have no fear. I know that that weighs on a lot of people, whether they have a Valentine, don't have That's a Valentine. Right. you know. And the stresses of planning Valentine's Day is a lot. It can be a lot for you, and you might need someone to talk to during this time. Self-love is important, and what better way to do that than with our friends at BetterHelp? Exactly. I know that for myself, mm-hmm. I get a lot of uh, stress while uh, doing planning and do- mm-hmm. and putting things together. That really uh, stresses me out. It um, gives me anxiety. It, uh, it makes me kind of just fold up and want to just stay in bed. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. So the people at BetterHelp have people to talk to you about this and talk to me. Yeah. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp's a great way to do that. It's entirely online. So even if you are stuck in bed, what great way to start it where you don't have to leave the first few sessions? Exactly. Yeah. Just open up your Open uh, it up laptop. and get it started right there. Yeah. In bed. Perfect. You can still wear your jammies, just as I like it. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, whatever that schedule may be. Just fill out their brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And, hey, if they don't work out for some reason, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. Yeah, you're not stuck to a therapist, you know? And and it's all uh, online and everything, so you don't have to have that awkward thing of, like, in person, and then they're just wondering whether you're, they're going to see you again in person, and it's more of a connection. No! Do online. Do BetterHelp. That's right. So don't forget, go to BetterHelp.com slash Spooked to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Spooked. All right. Uh, I don't, I, okay. Well, let's, let's stay on the movie theme then. Let's go yeah. just one over. Let's go to 78 here. Okay. You get the power of necromancy, but you yeah. are hunted by Rick O'Connell, uh, Brendan Fraser's character from The Mummy, who Ooh. wants to kill you. Okay. How can you make that worse, I guess? Oh, boy. Um, Up that one. So it's specifically Rick O'Connell. It's not just like Brendan Fraser as any character he's ever played. 
I, I, the original one that we pitched to the audience was okay. as Rick O'Connell. Okay. All right. And you All might right. think, hey, why not be it the mummy themselves? But in the end, didn't Rick O'Connell beat the mummy? Oh, yeah. No, the only reason I was asking is because the first place that my brain went was uh, uh, Brendan Fraser in um, uh, Encino Man. Because, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was just a whole adventure on its own. But he was, uh, a, he was a caveman in that one, correctly? He was, yes. Okay. And Polly Shore was uh, the lovely sidekick. <laughs> yep. uh, he was present, yes. Uh, all right. So power of necromancy, but you are hunted by Rick O'Connell. I mean, yeah, that that's going to go south six ways from Sunday, right? I mean, it's like, first off, uh, Rick O'Connell, much to everyone's surprise and chagrin, somehow defeated the mummy not once, not twice, but three times, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it the Scorpion King by the time we got to the third one? Either so way. In the third one, I think he's after a Jade Emperor, some sort of Japanese mummy equivalent. But I think right. the mummy is still there somehow working either with him or against him. I lost track of what was happening. I, you know what? I, I think most people did, including the producers, but point being <laughs> is that either way, it's like, the, like first off, just if we were to take this at face value and yeah, it's like you got the power of necromancy. You can bring anybody back from the dead, but you are hunted by Rick O'Connell who will want to kill you. Mm -hmm. If there's anything we've learned from the movies this idiot succeeds somehow, right? Mm -hmm. he, he stumbles into the success like some cartoon pig or something like that, right? But then, the, but then to add to that, you now have to live with the knowledge because I'm assuming if you have the power of necromancy, you will experience an afterlife. So yeah. you are therefore forever for an eternity haunted by the knowledge that Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell defeated you with the power of bringing people back from the dead and you couldn't save yourself from that. <laughs> To add to this, I just want to throw that out there, too, that it's like you are joining a very short list of failed villains at that point as well. Because like who, who else has he taken out as Brendan well, Fraser <laughs> as any okay, character? So, well, there was, uh, well, I mean, the mummies, obviously, yeah. like any of the villains from those movies, any of the subsidiary villains or secondary villains, like the stone statues and everything like that. It's like you are joining that league of losers in yeah. the afterlife who have not only been in the afterlife, but been sent back to the afterlife a second time. Like, yeah. I'm So here's my consideration that I'm asking you now. Yes. Is, Make Would giving not just Rick O'Connell, but all of Brendan Fraser's various characters, is that any more powerful of a threat? Like if every single Brendan Fraser character came after you, yes. you're not hunted just by... <laughs> that is such a worse situation than just Rick O'Connell. Because at least Rick O'Connell, it's like he's he's an action character. So there's, you know, a minor, minor sliver of respect there. Yeah, yeah. But then when we start going into, oh God, I can't even remember the name of the movie. There's, but when, he, when George he was of the, the Jungle. Yeah. There's yeah, Encino Man. What's he had the a one bit of... part in Brain Candy where he's the That's guy from the placebo. Right. I forgot he was. In... What was the one where he was the kid from the he, the kid who was raised in a bomb shelter? Oh, uh, Blast from the Past. There it is. Yes, that's the one that I would fear the most. <laughs> where he was nice and uh, polite with old timey values because he was raised by his parents. Well, and and let's also but let's also consider the fact that it's like he's nice and polite. 
but as you said, with the old-timey values. So he's nice and polite in the 1950s way. Right. Right? Which is a very different version of nice and polite now. Like, this is this is the kind of guy that it's like, not only is he following you with the impending threat of killing you, he's now following you with the impending threat of just being completely oblivious to systematic <laughs> racism, uh, sexism, all that uh-huh. sort of thing like this. He has He's going to have the ability to start a riot at any point. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. And, and I mean, yeah. Not to mention, it's just like just having any version of Brendan Fraser's characters chasing you down. I mean, that's just that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's definitely more insulting uh, if it's not Rick O'Connell, even if it's not necessarily more threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's take a second to find the next one. I mean, if if we want to stay in the realm of horror films, uh, my eyes are jumping to 81 right now. You can see into the spirit realm, but you have to work a living wage gig economy style job to, of helping ghosts move on. Okay. Yeah. This, here's the thing. A lot of people die, right? And so there's no guarantee you're helping good people move on. Right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Think, 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 about, think about this. You're sitting in your living room having a nice afternoon, right? You know, not too busy with work, working remotely perhaps, mm-hmm. like a lot of us right now. There's a knock on your door. You open that door and standing there in front of you, obligated to help this person, is the ghost of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, he's even fresh. He hasn't had time to... no. Try no. to come to terms with all he's, his terrible. He's things. still learning the ropes. Or I mean, we we can make it. You know, so much worse. Like you can go back through all like you know the dictators, the warlords, all that sort of stuff like that. Or you could also just go to like absolutely just you know people that you just don't want to deal with in general, right? It's like think of how many Republicans have died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or okay, I guess so. I guess all the all the tweak this really needs is when we originally pitched this. I guess we had the idea that it was somewhat a freelance job. Like right. you had to do it to maintain, uh, maintain yourself. That was mm-hmm. the job you had to work. But we kind of put like you had some choice in who you worked for. Yeah. Um, but if you get assigned people by the fates here, yeah. Not only the- is it bad for the reasons you said, like terrible people, but also just imagine like someone who speaks a dead language gets assigned to you, and you have to help them move on. You've got to learn, yeah, la- pr- to pronounce Latin that no one can help you with. Yeah. To then deal with this person's personal issues, to then deal with their baggage. <laughs> well, and not, and not to mention the fact too that it's like you know it's like the the gig economy style job. It's like let's face it, this is emotional Uber, right? Yeah. Like like you are providing an emotional Uber service to potentially some of the worst people on earth uh, or in the history of the earth. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And who says we're limiting it to human ghosts? Oh, you could be really you could ghosts. be dealing with warlords from different planets, warlords from different dimensions or realms or whatever the case might be. You could be dealing with creatures from failed scripts. What is the emotional baggage of the xenomorph from Aliens? I don't. Oh, <laughs> so much, so much. First off, body shaving. Look at look at how thin they are. Yeah. Right. Uh, second off, I mean, imagine what that, uh, uh, imagine the intimacy issues that a xenomorph has, right? Yeah. When, your bo- when your bodily fluids are literally so acidic, they can burn through metal. Ima- imagine how that is, right? I mean, do you think they count as like a romantic relationship when they lay eggs in you? Like, do you think they you know see what? that that way? 
if there's anything that Disney Pixar has taught me, it's that even in a society like ants or bees, someone <laughs> is bound to fall in love with the queen. Fall so, so yeah, you know what? It's 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 a it's a state of being, and it's inescapable. I just feel like they just use me for the kids. Once the kids come out, they stop moving around. They'd never yeah. come around again. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's me. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, I've also heard the xenomorphs have one of the most vicious HR departments in the history of cre- in the history of living beings. So, yeah, I don't want to put up with that. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we can find here. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one that's already in a horror vibe. Okay, let's see if we can up it. Yeah, head over to sixty-five here. You get a dog that can never die, but mm-hmm. if you forget to feed it, it gets hungry and will eat anything and anyone available. Oh yeah, so it's already got it's already got kind of a werewolf, yeah, uh, pet cemetery vibe to it. But I feel like, can you turn that up a notch for me, PK? Absolutely. Uh, so first off, uh, I mean, if the dog is going to eat anything or anyone available when you forget to feed it, uh, uh, I mean, first off, that could, like you usually the closest things to you are literally the closest things to you, <laughs> so you are immediately losing family friends, personal belongings, nostalgic items, so on and so forth like this. However, what happens when it starts running out of things in the immediate area? Then we're we're looking at a radius of destruction that is resulting as, uh, from this dog simply from forgetting to feed it once. Plus, it never says that this dog will be full. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. And yeah, so it's, therefore it's, so therefore could you, grow. Well, and and you could be in a constant state of feeding this dog. Like this, this could end up being essentially, you know, uh, 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 torturous version of of, uh, subs- of uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Subservience to this dog. In all honesty, I feel like this is the preview that we all want for Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's a nice little thing. Would just be that like you have to feed it, and it also keeps growing. Like yeah. it just becomes a, an evil Clifford if you also, ever forget to feed it. Also, what does it eat? Nobody, we haven't mentioned that yet, right? And and what if this animal eats, let's say, and this is just off the top of my head, don't think of less of me for saying this, but what if this dog only eats children under the age of four? <laughs> and you forget to it feed. It shows a very specific age there, yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was trying to think of like the age before they become a pain in the ass. Oh, but okay. yeah. <laughs> the most innocent age I could think sure, of, yeah, four yeah. years old. Yeah. I don't I most parents would probably disagree with me on that. But nonetheless, <laughs> fine. Let's say newborn babies. This dog only eats newborn babies, and you are now not only in a constant state of feeding babies to this dog, but you're in a constant state of sourcing babies for this yeah, dog. It bec- it would become the lesser of two evils to steal babies to stop the dog from going on its murderous rampage. Yeah. It's and the classic It's the classic one versus a million argument. You yeah. Know? It's like, yeah. And then what structures would you develop to make sourcing babies easier? Because that's a headache, sourcing a, b- a fresh baby. Oh. Every so- day. Sourcing a baby, trying to deal trying to deal with it discreetly, mm-hmm. making sure the neighbors aren't asking questions of why you're constantly walking into the house with new babies <laughs> and never coming out with them. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's... Not to mention, I mean, obviously the guilt that comes with that, the inherent guilt, you're probably dealing with parents at some point about this, uh, which is going to lead to an investigation undoubtedly and try explaining that to the police, right? That's again, I think you've got to find some sort of way to industrialize baby production for the sake of humanity and... 
I mean, here's the thing. You do one thing enough, you're going to figure out a system, right? And and so, yeah, you very well may become the best baby sorcerer that has ever lived, right? I say that (laughs) like- I'm not proud of that. No, God, no. That's the (laughs) thing is it's like, that's your claim to fame. That's your life accomplishment is (laughs) I am the best baby sorcerer in the history of human beings. It's like, congratulations, I guess. But you're you're saving saving the world from- the Clifford Apocalypse that would ensue <laughs> were you not to be this evil fiend collecting babies. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you know what? This makes me really want to do an adaptation of Clifford. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Right. That, that might be my next project. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Clifford, the big carnivorous dog. I think that could be, that could be the, like the second act twist to a film. You start a film where there's like, there's all these babies disappearing. Oh yeah. And like, you know, they, they, they find the person responsible. They figure out the systems. They hunt him down. They kill him. And he's like, no, what have you done without me? Clifford will get free. And then the rest of the movie is the, the apocalypse that ensues when Clifford breaks free. And Absolutely. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. We're, we're basically dictating right now what those folks that recut movie trailers on YouTube <laughs> are just going to do later, right? Like, we all know it's coming down the pipe. Oh, boy. They just like got to get hands-on footage. <laughs> I, I think the hardest part of this project will be getting the official Clifford branding, like actually oh. getting them on board. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> it, it, every, it, as long as you got a source market, you can yeah. sell anything these days. I'm just saying. We might have to call it Blifford. I don't know, but hey. like, or, or just Clifford with a, like you with an umlauts or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. There's some umlauts in there. Clifford. It's, it's legally distinct. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else we can find. Let's take one more look. Let's at least get one more each. How about yeah, of course. You got anything in sense of you? I got one I want to throw it at you because I feel like it's the dumbest one on here. But do it. Throw it at me. All right. I want. I want to give you this. I want to see if you can turn this one. This because this is the smallest ask on the list. I think was yeah. you get a really cool hat of your preferred style yeah. that will stay in good condition forever. Uh, our original cost was, but it is branded with the most embarrassing thing you are a legitimate fan of. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you're evil. Uh, ignore that cost. What is the cost that you, as an evil genie, would give someone for just asking for a really cool hat that would stay in good condition? Uh, it will be marked with the names of the sweatshop workers that made it. <laughs> so people will forever, you will forever be branded with the names that made your brain. Okay. Little, little maybe yeah. pictures inside too. Oh my God. Yeah. Pict- pictures of them, their children. Family, yeah. 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 The whole, the whole family, their needlepoint wounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like little their hands. The- oh. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That or, uh, or the alternative, uh, sorry. I'm just, what number was that? Oh, one? sorry. That was 60, uh, 76, 76, 76. Okay, yeah. And the other thing is, too, is that, uh, okay, so you get a preferred hat style in good condition forever, but nobody, again, has said what it is made of. I I could see the sweetest looking baseball hat, as you can see. You are a baseball hat enthusiast. I don't think I've seen you more than once or twice without one. (laughs) I've got a stupid collection of baseball hats. Um, And I could find a perfect one that fits perfectly and one that's the exact style I want. But nothing is telling me that it's not made out of puppies. It could be made out of puppies. It could easily be, could made, be made out, out of puppies. Out of puppies. It could be made out of, uh, you know, uh, dead grandma hair. <laughs> I mean, 
it it could be it could be made of anything. It could be made of toenail shave like toenail yeah. clippings. It could be made of uh, skin grafts. You know, it's like any anything. It it could be made of any material. But also, uh, what happens if uh, you have that perfect hat? You have the temptation to put on that perfect mm-hmm. hat. But once it's on, it never comes off. Never comes off. I mean, again, I wouldn't notice that big of a difference in you because I've never <laughs> seen no, you with that. Of course hat. not. Ex- except for the you know giant patch of skin graft I'd right. be wearing on yeah, my yeah, head yeah. Day and adjusting <laughs> ever so slightly, right? Yeah. But it's like even even me, it's like I don't sleep in my hat. I take it off when I lay on the couch. Yeah. You know, it's like I mean, I yeah. guess, guess I assumed, but no, okay, no, it makes I sense. Mo- most people, most people actually assume I'm bald, <laughs> things, and I can't, and I'm not going to lie to you, I can't believe it. Yeah. And what if that's the case? What if you put on the hat and it consumes anything else that's beneath you and your scalp? Oh, okay. What if I I have this really bad habit with my pitching wishes that involve something being wet or moist? Um, yeah. So what if I mean even just saying it's moist is a form of torture to some to some, and yet I love <laughs> doing it for some reason. Yeah. So what if you get hat? You know what? I'll even I'll give you the hat looks immaculate, perfect on the inside. Yeah. But everything on the inside of the hat feels like a wet mouth sucking on your skull oh yeah just just like a slow constant sucking on your scalp yeah and anytime you adjust the hat just a small hand reaches down and sticks a finger in your mouth just and not like with the intention of like pulling on a tooth or poking your tongue just lingering just yeah just just like like, hanging just hanging out a wet lily of your lip yeah oh yeah yeah just like like somebody's sweaty pinky oh yeah Somehow that's so much worse than all the baby skin in the world. Hundred percent. And you know what? Uh, it, I mean, it's it it takes a strong person to withstand a, a mouth fingering. I'm yeah. just saying. All right, I'll give you I'll give you the last pick. Then what's the last one on this By list you want to leave us with? All right. So okay, uh, number eighty two. Eighty two. You get to be an you get to be an Avenger in the Marvel universe, but you have a toxic fan base that you keep accidentally encouraging by misspeaking. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah. Fresher episode. I mean, yeah. I mean, putting putting aside the fact that this just feels like a, a apt description of what's happened over the past five to six years uh, down here. Uh, oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Stuff. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> I've got neighbors who buy it. Anyway, uh, putting aside that re- sad and terrifying reality, I... Uh, I mean, and possibly even drawing from that, like, look at how fired up people get, especially Marvel fans get about their fan base or, or about what their fanship. Yeah. Right. So it's like you, you got like die hard Marvel fans out there, like ones that are willing to like go to war to defend their beliefs in the universe, their consistency, all that sort of thing like that. Right. Add in the fact that this is a toxic fan base and that you are inc- you are incidentally encouraging their mm-hmm. misguided beliefs. It's like you're looking you're looking at being the cause of potentially a world ending riot, right? You're you're. I might even looking- rephrase that same thought, but rephrasing it. Maybe you start a holy war, like they worship you to well, the point. That, that was literally the next place okay, I was going yeah, yeah. because I was going to say <laughs> as soon as you throw in the DC fandom, uh, or maybe not the DC fandom because that's you know about half the size. But nonetheless, you get to say where it's like, you know, you, you get like you get whatever warring factions of uh, fictional universes. You know, let's say Harry Potter versus MCU or yeah. something like that, right? Like some sort of like pivotal franchise. A, a hundred years uh, war on Cap versus Iron Man. <laughs> 
Yeah. It, it, that would be enough to make uh, and and realize I'm saying this with my ancestors coming from there, but that would be enough to make the North and South Ireland debate look just like a mild yeah. argument. Those people would tear each other apart like they they would cosplay to the death. <laughs> right. And and like and I'm not talking like a glorious death. Like, you know, it's like it, like it, at least, you know, it's like you look back through history and it was like warriors who were in the holy wars like way back in the day is like they truly subscribed to that cause. Mm-hmm. That was their life's purpose. They were going to die in 30 years anyway. Uh, but it's like you look at these folks and it's like we're talking about like mom's basement dwellers, uh-huh. you know, like and, and like people who have literally no moral like no moral standing no sense of like what could be considered honorable on a battlefield like they're looking for the quickest route there i mean you're talking about what will happen with the worst of people i think the most dangerous is what will happen with the people with just enough engineering knowledge to think they can make their own iron man armor uh but not enough to not blow up their whole neighborhood And then we're both forgetting the contingent that crosses, that is the Venn diagram of these two groups, right? <laughs> and, and this is the this is the part that I'm most scared of is because like way back in the day, uh, I, I was on a show years and years and years ago where we actually were, we had a booth at uh, uh, Comic-Con okay. in Toronto. Uh, and, uh, and so we were there and it's like, you know, we sat there for like the entire, uh, I think it was the second day of the convention. Uh, we were sitting there and, you know, signing autographs, meeting fans and so on and so forth like this. And even just that experience with a show that was like literally under everybody's radar. <laughs> and like, we had like people coming up to us who were like asking us what our show was and then asking for autographs <laughs> like that, that kind of awareness. Right. <sighs> but, but even just being there for that day, I came into a whole new understanding of what that uh, culture is at Comic-Con. And it's like, yes, there are lovely people, lovely, pe- lovely people that are there and lovely fans of absolutely amazing fictional works that are, and all this sort of thing like this. But there is a, there is a sizable contingent of people who take it very seriously. And, and like, I'm talking people who are like cosplaying. Uh, what's that? Uh, Counter-Strike. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, stepped away from the booth to take a break, uh, uh, in one of the back areas. And I was there dressed as a superhero. Somebody else was there dressed as a superhero for the shows that we were there representing. And we're in this break area and literally fans who were not supposed to be in that area came running through this break area, screaming at each other with plastic guns. And I'm not even kidding you. These were like 20 to 30 year old men screaming at each other. We have the president's daughter. We have the president's daughter. I shot you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And then they kept running past. And I just made eye contact with this other person. And we both just looked at each other and just slowly shook our heads saying, what are we doing here? And anyway, Call of Duty and Counter-Strike are just cosplaying as soldiers. There's no there's nothing extra to it. I know, but without the training, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and that's the that's the part that scares me the most. Because as you said, you know, it's like there are the basement engineers, there are the basement chemists, mm-hmm. there are the basement you know biologists, and all this sort of like this, who are you know reading up on the dark web about all this sort of stuff and trying to build their own equipment or whatever the case might be. But there's also these you know very misguided uh, uh, people who are living that lifestyle, like, and I'm talking living, yeah. it, right. And then you combine those two and you have somebody who legitimately thinks they're like, you know, who legitimately thinks they're, as you said, the next Iron Man or who legitimately thinks that they are the next, I don't know, 
Black Widow or Hulk or whatever the case might be, experimenting with gamma radiation in their basement, right? Uh, That, yeah. Uh, so yeah. our our and interpretation be, of this is: you get to be yeah. an Avenger, but you will trigger a holy war that will involve a number of experiments with unlicensed nuclear reactors and potential global destruction. Absolutely, I will say yeah. not potential, inevitable global inevitable, destruction yes. at this yeah. point. Inevitable, and also realize too that based on the fact that we are choosing that you are the inspiration for the MCU fandom, mm-hmm. you are also running the risk of essentially being the post-apocalyptic like idol yeah like you you are like when everything on earth is crumbled and everyone is destitute and the world is too radioactive to support any form of life and aliens come down centuries later the only thing they see in this desolate wasteland is a statue of you i don't know you know sitting on your computer and typing an email or some shit (laughs) it's like they worship the bomb in planet of the apes but it's it's just a statue of you and everyone being like who the fuck was this guy (laughs) Exactly. Then why did they make him an Avenger? I don't yeah. even know what those and, words and, mean anymore, but that's why we're here. And and then the worst part of this is, is that that alien race then goes back to their home planet to report on these oh. findings and essentially creates their own MCU fandom new around world. you being the new Thanos. You take out two worlds for one. For one. Yeah. Well, we've managed to destroy not just one world, but two. So I think I think our work <laughs> may be done. Nice. Amazing. Uh, so I think that's it for this year's <laughs> Monkey Paw. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, PK. Thank you for having me. And uh, for everyone else, we'll have a normal episode next week. Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook. And you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at breakawish.ca. For more PK, you can check out his horror novel, Butterflies in Glass Cases, by Paul Kingston. Available wherever you get books, through StoryWell Publishing. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? This podcast has been brought to you by The Sonar Network. Sonar!